There are no rules. No rules. You're listening to Degree Free on the Degree Free Network, where we talk about how to teach yourself, get work, and make money. No degree needed. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. Maruyama. Aloha, guys, and welcome back to Degree Free. We are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. On this podcast, we share the fundamentals we've discovered and the mistakes we've made while self-educating, getting work, building businesses, and making money. We'll tell you how to make it happen. No degree needed. Welcome back to the podcast, folks. Ryan and I have a newsletter that we send out every week, and you are definitely going to want to sign up for that. It has all kinds of stuff in it that you're going to want to see, like degree-free news, so different companies that are now hiring degree-free people, different job opportunities, ideas for degree-free work, and resources like books and uh, websites that Ryan and I found to be really helpful on our journey as well, and so you're going to want to sign up for that. So go to the website, degreefreenetwork.com, and sign up so you don't miss our email. And yeah, guys... um like and subscribe just so you can uh, stay notified when we uh, post new episodes every week. And uh, let's get into today's episode. Today, we are going to be talking about how to turn your current W-2 job into a 1099 contractor role and why you would want to do it, who it's for, who it's not for, some of the benefits with it as well. Mm-hmm. Why, yeah, why people might want to be doing that, especially in today's in today's work environment. Yeah, it's a hand or a card that you could possibly play, mm-hmm. right? And it just takes some thought and some analysis of whether or not it's right for you. One of the best ways to kind of break it down to make this the most easily digestible for a lot of people is... I think we should talk about who this might not be for at first, mm. right? Let's talk about that first. Then we can talk about who it's for and why you would do it and the benefits of it. And then we can talk about like how to do it. Okay. Right. And so the first thing that we have to talk about and one of the most common things that we see is going to be benefits. Yeah. Your medical, your vision, your dental. Right, exactly. Things that you normally get through a job, right? I mean, unfortunately, in the US, our healthcare is widely tied to our employment. I think that that's really dumb. That's a whole that's a whole other thing. Yeah, but that's a whole, a whole can of worms. Another thing. We won't we won't tackle that here. Yeah. That being said, unfortunately, that's how it is. And so if you get your benefits through your employer, health, vision, dental, supplemental, you name it. This is definitely something that you're going to want to think about a lot more. It could still make sense for you, but for a lot of people, it doesn't. Yeah, because the cost of taking those things on independently would just be too too great. It's something that you have to do the math on, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The reason why is, I mean, maybe you would get paid so much more as a contractor and you would be able to take on all of that by yourself. Maybe, maybe not, right? And so if this is you, if you are the person that brings in the insurance in your household, you're definitely going to have to put more thought and do more analysis on it, right? Another thing that we have to talk about 
is taxes. Yeah, that self-employment taxes are are a big thing. Yeah. Taxes in general, um, not just self-employment taxes, but just even the mechanism of which you get taxed and how you tax. It's way easier to be taxed as a W-2 employee. Yes. Much, much easier. Because your pay, your tax is already withheld in your paycheck. And so at the end of the year, you get your W-2 and it says that you made, you know, X amount of dollars, you made a hundred bucks this year and they kept 30% of it or whatever. And now you, here's your tax return. Mm -hmm. Very, very simple. On the flip side of that, as a 1099 contractor, they are no longer withholding those taxes. Now you have to do it. Yes. And that usually comes with quarterly taxes that you'd have to file. It's not super complicated. That being said, it does add a layer of complexity to the whole ordeal of just making a living. You got to do it. Uh, Also, if you're a contractor, oftentimes you're billing you're billing your uh, company. So that's another thing too. You are going to be responsible for submitting an invoice. And so you're responsible for running payroll for yourself basically. So that's just another thing that you're going to have to do if you want to get your money and get paid. Yeah, definitely. And so one of the last things I did want to say about the benefits is just because, like I said, just because you are the insurance provider in your household doesn't mean that you can't make this happen. Also, um, if you are in a relationship with somebody, like if you're in a household where, you know, your partner has a W-2 job and you're married or if you're in like a domestic partnership, if you're in a state where you can be on your partner's insurance, it might be something where you guys consolidate your insurance and there might be a lot of savings there for you. Because a, a lot of people, without thinking about it, pay to health insurance premiums and they're doubly insured. They don't really need to be doing that. But it's just the way that insurance works. Like you said, it's tied to your job. And if two people in a household have a job, then you've got two different insurances. It's also a big commitment. I, I will say that. I mean, it's not a relationship show, but you know, like... You got to really trust that person to not... <laughs> to So that you know, cause now they're in charge of your healthcare benefits. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. And so there is a, that layer of complexity as well in the relationship. But I mean, if you're married, that shouldn't be a problem. Pretty, pretty safe. Right. And, and a lot of times to healthcare, especially health insurance, it is cheaper to become a spouse on a plan than it is for you to go out and get an individual plan. Even if it is through your W2 employer, it's still cheaper to tack on to their plan than it is to for you to establish your own individual plan. Yeah, just being in addition to someone's plan as opposed to being a single additional plan. Yeah, exactly. And then also, if you have dependents, you know, um, definitely this is going to be one of the areas that you're going to have to do a lot of thinking and math about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see if it's worth it. It does help with simplicity, though, if you only have one health insurance. I will say that much. It does. Yeah. Okay, so that being said, the next thing that I wanted to talk about about who this isn't for is if you wanted, if you need job security or if you want job security, 
being a 1099 contractor may not be for you. Yeah, because you have to like basically go out and hunt and get your contracts and bring them back. And then because of the way contracting works, uh, you can be terminated at will at any time. The upside benefit of that is you can also quit at any time for whatever reason that you choose, uh, depending on the contract. But most contract most contractors are at will. So you just you're working for them as long as they want you to. And they're working, you know, they're working with you as long as you want them to. So it's it's kind of a it's it's a lot more responsibility for sure. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot more. So a lot of times with contractors, there's a, lot, a little bit more flexibility in scheduling and things like that. You do have a lot more control over your time. But the price you pay is that job security aspect of it, right? And if you, a lot of people would rather just, you know, have a job and kind of know that that job is always going to be there for them. And you, know, you come to work and, okay, we stay there for 40 years and you just that's where that's where you that's where you work and it's stable and and that's good and you don't have to worry about where where it is that you're going to find your next paycheck with contracting that is definitely something that is always in the back of your head always um so pros and cons pros and cons yeah it's largely individual i think there's just a lot of people that don't know that it's an option for them that they would take it if they could because it just gives them more control over their work situation um one thing that i've observed with it too is that um, my time was much less abused so if somebody's feeling overworked it is a good way to keep a company accountable for what they're using your time for because if they use if they need you to do work they get billed for it. And so there, there is an advantage to that too. There's downsides to that as well, right? Because if they don't give you enough hours, but if you have an agreement and you, you know, you're an efficient worker, most of the time you can, you, you bill as needed. And so if you're working a lot of overtime, you get compensated for it. Right. Definitely. That's true. Yeah. And it depends. It, this all depends on how you structure your contract. Right. And then just to the quality of the people you're contracting to. Yeah. So, but I mean, like it, it could be that you're, Depending on your industry, you might contract per project instead of per hour. That is true. That is true. Yeah. So you, you sell them like a chunk of time for a specific thing that needs to be accomplished. That's true. Yeah. So it just depends on how you structure your contract. Mm -hmm. One of the easiest sells to a company, though, is going to be hourly. hourly. Just because it's not a stretch of the imagination for a lot of people. And it's cheap for them, relatively. Yeah. And especially if they don't have... a contractor like situation set up already it's just an easier sell mm -hmm. the last thing that i want to talk about as far as who this may not be for is going to be for people that are concerned with their retirement plans while they're a w-2 employee yeah like if you want your 401k you want to get the match you want to get option stock options this is not for you you're only going to get cash out of this exchange exactly yeah and so that's one of the things that like i'm not saying that everybody shouldn't be concerned with their retirement period i'm just say, talking about the opportunity of their retirement plan that they have at that company as a w-2 employee mm -hmm. so exactly what you said the things that you're going to want to think about is pensions those are dying Right. I mean, if not, all often you're going to be, that's going to be for like 
more public, you know, like union right jobs, U- union jobs, which you cannot really be a contractor. Right, but not, not all not all unions are public, though. Hmm. Right, that's true. And so, yeah, union jobs usually are the ones that that provide pensions. Okay, so assuming that you aren't union, then you know now we're talking. Now we're talking to you. If I'm assuming that if you are union as well, majority of companies that work with unions, you're probably not going to be able to wiggle out of your union dues and out of the union and then become a contractor in the same role. There are probably a lot of union mandates and it's probably laid out in your collective bargaining agreement. That you can't do that. That you can't do that, right? Or that the company that they're working with, that you're working for, that the union is working with, they have some stipulations on scalpers and you know, what they consider that to be. Mm. So assuming that you're not in a union, now we're talking about just the retirement plan as it's facilitated at the company. So we're talking about exactly what you said, your 401k having a match, right? And so we haven't really talked about it yet. You know, we're probably going to be talking about it soon. We're probably going to get deeper into the money aspect of our lives, you know, in the upcoming episodes. But, you know, just quickly, you know, a lot of companies, in order to encourage you to save money for retirement, they'll offer a percentage match on the amount that you contribute to your retirement plan. Mm -hmm. And widely speaking, generally speaking, that's free money. Yeah, they're just giving it to you. So if I put $100 a year and it's a 6% match, they're going to put in six bucks on top of it and that's just free money. Mm -hmm. You are not going to get that type of access. As a contractor. As a contractor. No. Right. You're not going to get that free $6. Yeah. Or whatever it is your match is. And so widely, if you're a set it and forget it type of person... Maybe being a contractor is not really for you. Yeah, you have to be a lot more active in your decision making, and you have to like you have to make a lot more decisions right. more often for sure. Where in this realm, where things kind of open up for you, is that if you're a contractor and then you start opening up your own business, right, an LLC, now you start getting into deeper territories with like you can set up certain solo 401ks or you know SEP IRAs things that are outside of the scope of this podcast or of this show today yeah but you know just just we'll, know, we'll talk about it eventually yeah just know that there are other options for you going forward if you did want to be a contractor it's not like you can't save for retirement still it's just going to be it's going to look different and it's going to require more effort by you Mm-hmm. And it all might make it worth it if you got paid more money, which is part of the which is part of the value proposition you're going to give when you when you're asking for it. Because a lot of times, what companies do, people don't realize often how expensive employment is. So W two employees are expensive. They may be paying you sixty thousand dollars, but they're paying a lot for you because they pay into systems that you benefit from. Your benefits package, like the things we talked about, healthcare, retirement, like those little 
things where you get certain percentages off at whatever certain shop, like anything that your company provides for you is one of those things. And if you think that you can better use that money to, uh, to grow investments that you have or on a business or something, and you want the cash, that's a card that you can play, which is saying, I want more money because I'm going to cost you less money, which is a pretty compelling value proposition for a company. Yeah, definitely. One of those uh, one of those other things is going to be like they're going to save money on unemployment insurance as well. Yeah, that's a huge thing. That's a huge cost that employers uh, shoulder that employees don't see. Right. And so... What would you say that the average cost for like a $50,000 employee is? You know, I'm not sure. Uh, honestly, I have 10 no, to 20 grand? I have no clue. I, I, the any, ballpark? At a different point in my life, I would have been able to have a more educated number for you because that was my job to know any number that i give right now would be irresponsible um because it's not just not accurate because mm. i'm not sure it's been a, it's been years since i've known that kind of stuff just suffice it to say five plus figures yeah right like it's it's usually it's quite significant and peop- people just don't realize how much it actually is yeah it's expensive yeah that's the perfect segue into the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is after hearing all of the reasons why you shouldn't, like, why the heck should you, mm-hmm. right? Really, the biggest benefit is exactly what you said, which is more money. Yeah, more cash. Cash on the barrel. And if you are going to your employer and you're currently a W-2 worker and you're making 50 grand a year... And you're going to them and trying to get a W-2 arrangement with them. You need to be asking for more money. Mm-hmm. Or if they come to you and they yes. said, hey, you know what? We have to make you W-2 now. And you'd be instead of instead of just saying, okay, I'll take my same compensation. Mm-mm. No, no, no. You have to ask for more money. You have to because you will not be making the same amount. Right. Not even in a real real terms, you will not be making the same amount. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. To the point where it's enough money that it will make a difference in your, it will make a dent in your lifestyle. It's, it's a significant amount. Yes. For most people. Definitely. Yeah. So I guess the question is how much more money would we, would we be going to the table with? I mean, and we're going to be kind of talking about how later, but I just kind of give people an idea. The way that I think about it and the way that we've thought about it in the past because you've done this mm-hmm. right a couple times now yeah you've because you were a w-2 employee and you've changed over to a 1099 role mm-hmm. right and it was huge for the company right because they saved a ton of money they really did um especially because um i was taking advantage of their 401k program of their 401k match and uh yeah they definitely they definitely were paying quite a bit into <laughs> into that savings plan. So they were jazzed to have me become a contractor. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that was definitely one of the benefits is that for the company, they saved a lot of money because you were, you were taking advantage of a lot of their fringe benefits. Mm-hmm. and Maximum advantage. Yeah. And you didn't have to... <laughs> They didn't have to pay for that anymore. Yeah, they were they were, they threw a little party. <laughs> yeah, but generally speaking, good good rule of thumb: if you're getting if you're getting paid X amount of dollars, easy math. If you're getting paid a hundred thousand dollars, you know, I, I I think we've 
15 to 20,000. Yeah, was, it's 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 in the or it's more. in the 20 to 30% range that yeah. you should at least be asking. So, for. let's say you're making $50,000, how much do you ask as a contractor? If you're making $50,000, then you're going to be about 10 to $15,000 more. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, 60. 65 to 75k somewhere yeah. there. Yeah, well, it's right? 60 to 65. 60 to 65. Yeah. <laughs> Math in public. Yeah, yeah. 60 to 65. Yeah. Yeah. Reasonably. Yeah, or you if can you're ask making 100 more. 120 to 130 Mm -hmm. and that's just a that's just to give people a ballpark right the way that you're going to go about doing the research on this is do exactly what we normally say for long-time listeners you're already fully aware of what we're going to tell you to do we're going to tell you to go to google yeah (laughs) we're going to say put in your job contractor and see what the number is and see what the number is that being said, there are a lot of calculators out there that help you co- compare contractor versus W-2. Mm-hmm. It'll actually tell you down to the number exactly how much you need with taxes in your state and all that all that jazz. Exactly. And they're free calculators. You just plug your stuff in and it, it's, a little, it's basically an automated Excel sheet and it just does the calculation for you. It's a little difficult because you're going to have to do some thinking about it. Right. So one of the things that we didn't um, talk about as far as for who this wouldn't be for and um, you know, I'll talk about it now is you don't get all the vacation leave. You have to plan it. Right. So you don't have vacation leave. You don't have maternity leave. Sick leave. You don't have sick leave. You don't have any of that. And so that's why using one of these calculators is really going to help because if you use one of the good ones, and we'll put some in the show notes below, um, if you go to degreefreenetwork.com, you'll be able to find um, the resources that we're going to point to. But it's going to ask you in the calculator, like, how many days a year are you planning on taking off, right? And the reason why it's asking you that is because as a contractor, if you're not working, you're not getting paid. Mm-hmm. If you're not there, you're not earning money. Right. And so it's just like working at a restaurant, actually. Yeah. You're not there. If you're not on shift, you don't get paid. Exactly. And so what, what's really good about them with these, with these calculators is you can go in and you can put in your current pay as a W-2 employee. And it usually is able to spit out what that looks like as a contractor. Mm-hmm. And now you have a good, a good gauge of what is the minimum that you should be asking. Mm-hmm. It, we are of the mind that we, that's just the number where you start. Yeah, but add more. Exactly. <laughs> Always overestimate how much time you think you'll need off because you know you just never know because life. Not needing off, but just how much you want to get paid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You Always ask more because you can go down. Exactly. Yeah. Because if they say yes, then good for you. And then... If you're going to, I believe that every time that you come to the bargaining table about your payment, you should be asking for more money. Yeah. That should be an upward progression for sure. Always. It shouldn't be something that stays the same or goes down. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll link the calculators below, but just for a general rule of thumb, 20 to 30% more at minimum. Because you got to pay, pay taxes. Is what you're going to start asking for. Yeah. Right. Taxes, and benefits. Ideally, ideally, it's 50% more. 
70 percent more yeah shoot for the moon and a lot of people are gonna balk at those numbers and be like really that much more yes that much more because they're saving a lot of money they're still saving money paying you way more well they're saving a lot of money but then also you're baking in a pay raise in that as well mm-hmm. right that's what you should be doing I, I believe you should be doing mm. and so the next thing as far as the benefits go about being a contractor generally speaking obviously it depends on the industry but generally speaking you gain more flexibility in your schedule yes that's one thing that was one of the biggest advantages um with the contracting that i found was asking for a four-day work week and that is some life-changing stuff other countries are are a little bit more forward thinking with their scheduling um but right now in the u.s i'd say that probably the easiest way to get a four-day work week is to become a contractor and just build it into your contract like i'm available um also because if you're working with a company let's say you're you're deciding to become a contractor at the same company, it's way easier for managers and other coworkers to get used to you having a four-day work week than it is for them to get used to you having a different hourly schedule five days a week. You know, like you're working five hours a day. That's harder for them to get used to often than I'm Tuesday through Friday. I'm Monday through Thursday. I'm always available Monday through Thursday. Also, something I found was that during the entire um, year that I worked that way, I only called off sick once. So I my attendance rate at work was very high because I had so much time. So so that's another benefit. Um and I don't know, I, I think that that's been that's been found that people that work four days a week don't call in as much because there's less time that they're actually at work. But I also found that to be true in my own experience. Yeah. And I think another factor with that is not only the flexibility of schedule, but flexibility in general with your work situation. Because now if you work physically, a lot of contractors work from home. This might not be a, you might not be able to do this in your industry, Mm -hmm. right? It depends. It depends. But this is a perfect opportunity to go to the table and negotiate this. See if you can. And see if you can, right? Um, Working from home is definitely one of the options or a hybrid schedule. Right. And I think what you were talking about, about the not calling in sick, I think that has to do with working from home too. Possibly. I think it's working from home. Possibly. Mm, Maybe a four day work week too, but it's both. I think it's generally speaking, it's a work from home Mm. because you don't call in sick when you're at home. Well, you can be sick and still work while you're Yeah. Right. Most most adults can. It's like adult sick is a little different than kid sick, right? Like you can, you can still work at a computer if you're sick. One of the next benefits is going to be being able to work multiple contracts at a time. And by this depends largely on your industry and your contract. So this one is kind of like a has real specific has an asterisk next to it. Not necessarily specific, but it just depends. I think it more be more specific about the industries that have non competes actually, Mm. and so. Generally speaking, though, especially if you're working from home, now you've you've negotiated a flexible work schedule, you've negotiated work from home, and you've negotiated 1099. Now, you can take on multiple contracts. Yes. Especially if they have a lower time commitment, just like what you've just set up with your current employer. Mm-hmm. And now, if you're making double the amount of money, 
right? So say you were making a hundred thousand and you've asked for 120 and you got it. Okay. Now say that's apples to apples, which you were making after taxes and everything like that with insurance. And then now you were to take on another contract that gets paid the same amount. Or even if it was part-time, let's say it was half. And a half. Now you're making way more, even though you're paying for insurance. Mm-hmm. Right? Even though you're paying for insurance out of pocket, even though you're in charge of your own retirement, even though you have to pay a tax professional to help you do your taxes every quarter. You jump the line in earnings, in actual money that you're getting in the door every month. You are significantly higher than you were before. Significantly. And this is really where it starts to move the needle. Yeah. Money in the door matters. Yeah. And like I said, it depends on your company and you have to read the contract. So that's one of the things about the execution of this. Before you go to being a contractor, they're going to put a contract in front of you. And you need to read that thing. And you need to ask for things to be taken out of it. <laughs> that was that was the thing. The first the first time I signed a contract, I didn't. And the second time I signed a contract, I said, I don't like this, this, and this. Take it out. <laughs> and guess what? They just do. Because it doesn't matter that much. And they do. Yeah. It really only affects you. <laughs> right. Because well, most of the time, the company's fine. Unless it's a major thing in their contract that they don't want to get taken out of it then they're not going to take it out. No. And then you're shit out of luck. And yep. you're in the same position that you were in the beginning. Yeah, you have to take full advantage of the fact that you are in charge of your own labor now. It's it's a two it's a double-edged sword, but if you're going to do it, make sure you maximize the benefit of having full control over your time and how you spend it. Yeah. Definitely. It's one of those things where it's going to take a lot more thought and it's going to take a lot more analysis. Planning. And planning, right? And this might be something that, especially if you're in a committed relationship, that this is a big decision that you probably want to talk over with you know, your significant other and your partner, especially if you guys are currently on individual insurance plans and you need to switch over. So for just to clarify too, when we made this, when our household made this switch, it was very much a group decision. It was a team decision that we that we did. And Ryan helped me do all of the math. And we sat down and looked at, okay, like how does this benefit us? How can we leverage the situation to increase like one, how much our household is bringing in every month, but also to maximize like our ability to do other work and just live in general. And it does, it does matter. And it, and making that decision together if you're in a committed relationship definitely definitely would advise doing that if you trust that person yeah definitely i think this is getting a little bit in the weeds but one thing that i would definitely look into if you're thinking about doing this is look if you guys are currently on individual plans and i'm going to going to specifically talk about healthcare right now, health insurance and the way that it works in the US. If you guys are at on two individual plans and or you know I'm on one plan and you're on another plan with the kids, you guys have to look at the qualifying events in in your insurance of what allows you to jump on the other person's plan. And you need to look at when the open enrollment dates are because losing a job usually is a qualifying event, I'm pretty sure. But 
um, becoming self-employed is not. Yeah, it may, may not be. Yeah. And so you're going to want to look into that. And this might be something that gets planned into the future and say, say your open enrollment is January and or November because it goes into effect on January and it's now July when you're thinking about it, you might want to wait all the way until November to, to make this jump. Yeah, right. Exactly. And then, then your partner can select, okay, spouse plus dependents. So you're not lapsing in healthcare coverage because exactly. that would be not good. Right. Cause and you just don't want to do that for no reason. Yeah. Well, and then you got to pay Cobra or, or you got to find, you got to <laughs> find interruption um, yeah. coverage, which is a pain. Right. One of the good things about the last thing I want to talk about about the benefits of it before we kind of talk about the execution and how this looked when you did it is one of the best things is that this situation isn't permanent. No. Right? It's very reversible. It's very reversible. It may not be reversible in your company. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest there. It may be that they say, okay... We're going to put you on as a contractor. You hate it. You're not making as much money. Something happens. You get divorced. You know, whatever. Life happens. And you go to your boss and you say, hey, can I become a W-2 again? And they're like, you know what? It's just not in the cards right now. Well, now it's a hard sell because you need them to pay more money yeah. to you. But you can do. You can still be a W-2 employee at another company. You just start applying for jobs again. Yeah. And fixed. Yep, exactly. Problem solved. Or you get another contract. Exactly. And one of the ways that you can bake this in to making this an arrangement is at the beginning, at the negotiating table, you can say, how about we try it for three months? Let's let's try it for a month. Let's try it for six months and see what happens. See if your boss will say yes. Yep. Um, that's the best way to get people to say yes to you is just say, can we try it for this amount of time? It also shows that you've given it some thought and some planning. And most often, if you've thought something out pretty well and you explain it well enough, you know, especially because it really just lowers the company's risk. So it's not as hard of a sell. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think now, how do we do it? Like, I guess, how are we going to get our boss to do it? To get, We're currently W-2 employee and we want to be 1099. We've done the risk analysis. It makes sense for us. I guess, how do we do it? How did you do it? Okay, so the first, the first thing that you need to think about is whether or not you've been performing well at your job. If you haven't, they're much less likely to say yes to you <laughs> um, because if you've not been performing well, then why would they want to give you anything that you want, right? That seems reasonable. Yeah, so if you're a good employee, if you're a decent employee, most people... I think most people are. So if you're a decent employee, that's number one. Now, then you want to think about if you have um, somebody around you, like a boss or supervisor who is um, sort of in your corner uh, or at least would be willing to hear you out. And I found also that the best time to do this is when something is shifting. So if there's a new project at work or an old project is closing or uh, it's a seasonal change, like it's an end of a quarter or it's... um, or it's the it's a new year and people are more susceptible i think to change when the other things are changing and so i think that that's probably a good rule of thumb that is when i made the switch was um end of year and i just said you know transition in january this looks different now and that 
went over well. And I think that it does have to do with people are used to change in the new year. Humans are just like that, especially in the US, right? Because think people tend to do big changes in, in the new year. The biggest reason a company has to say yes to you here is that it saves them money and it reduces their risk. Companies almost always will save money and reduce risk if they can. And the reason it reduces risk is because they can fire you if you're bad at your job really easily. And that risk for you is that you can also quit really easily if, you know, if they're not serving, if they're not serving you. So, um, but also as far as the money, like I said, like we've talked about the chances of them saving a lot of money by, by moving you into a contract role are pretty, are pretty high for most people. Like you could most, for most people, you can get a $10,000 raise if you just aren't a W2 employee. And so for them that they look at that and say, well, that that's cheaper than what we're paying for you now. So if you want to assume the risk, you know, that's kind of on you. And so I think that that those would be the two motivators that would cause a company to want to do that. Also, the third one would be if they like you and that's the condition under which you'd like to stay. That one's a little bit more subjective, right? Because, you know, if, if people, everybody's different, everybody gets along different. But if, if you're generally a valued liked employee, most of the time they're going to be willing to accommodate you to keep you around. Yeah. I think one of the things too, and this is super company specific, but depending on how your company makes money, they might be not only saving money, but they might be making more money by making you a contractor. So what do I mean by that? If you are working for a company, let's say you're working for a company that builds software and they are hired to do a project and okay, they have nothing but W2 employees on there, right? And they have a couple of contractors here and there. If you become a contractor, they they can, depending on their contract with that company, they can start to pass on that cost. Directly to the other company. Directly to the other company. And that means they keep more money. Exactly. So so you don't realize sometimes too how profitable it actually may be for them to make you to give you exactly what you want. <laughs> this doesn't happen all the time. No. But it's definitely something that if your company does this and if you know that they're going to do this, mention it. Then be like, yeah, look, you can okay, you're not billing out my time right now, or this is how much you're billing out my time now. You pay me more, we can bill out we can bill out at this rate. Right? You and win, can, I win. Yeah, we can pass it on. We can pass it on to the client. That's how the that's how the the contract is stru- is structured. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen all the time. Might not happen at all. But it's just something that, if you're aware of, you can use it as a bargaining chip. It's very important that if you're going to ask this question to you have an understanding of how your company makes money. That's like at the basis of this is understand the motivations for a company, which almost always is to make money. Uh, and if you can find a way to save them money or make them more money, then oftentimes they're going to say yes to you. Yeah. So just to kind of quickly go over all of this. So this is how you're going to do it. Um, one, you're going to go in with a plan. Two, you're going to make sure that you're a good employee. And so you're asking, you're asking from a position of power, which is you're doing your job and they like you. Uh, three, you're going to make sure you want to ask somebody who's kind of on your side in your corner, at least likes you or respects you. Um, and then keep in mind that when you're asking, so this is four, know what the company is going to get out of it. Uh, know if they're going to save money, make money, um, reduce risk, 
um, if, if this person likes you too, a, a good way to position it is that you also get something that you're excited about, that you're excited for your career growth. Again, most people, most people are inclined to like want to help you. That's my belief. And so I'm just saying, you know, I really, I think that having this schedule would really optimize my life and that I would be more productive at work. And that's my main motivation for wanting to become a contractor so that I can have a schedule that fits my life, but also it reduces the risk for you giving it to me. That's pretty compelling. That's pretty clear, right? Um, and I think that, that that's probably the best way to state it. Then make sure that when you're asking, if possible, ask at a time when other things are changing. So uh, it's just kind of packaged in with change in general. And then, and then um, if they're hesitant, then give them a specific set time that you'd like to test it. That is risky on your part because it's unlikely you'll be able to go back to W2. But if you can, do that. Yeah, definitely. Or if you bake it in, you can just say... Hey, can we check it? Can we try to do this for three months and let's reevaluate it three months? Let's set a meeting now for three months from now and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I promise you, before that meeting happens, you guys are going to know whether you're going to keep doing it or not. Yeah. Right. So instead of like maybe wondering if you'll get the W 2 job back, make a deal with your boss where, like, you know, if it's not working, I'll come back on at the same rate or whatever. At, yes. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And be like, completely yeah. reduce risk for them. And so, like we said before, as far as the amount that we're asking for, which is that's what we care about, right? Because the biggest benefit to us doing it is from us is the money, right? That's why we're going to do it because it's way riskier as far as um, you, you have to fend for yourself on insurance, taxes, retirement, all that. But you're going to get paid for that risk, mm-hmm. right? Or you, it's your job to get paid for that risk. Yes. And so do the calculation, go online, see how, see how much you are currently getting paid. And then, okay, that is the, that's the number that it spits out. You're going to want to ask for more because we're baking in a promotion or a raise on top of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it kind of obfuscates it the the fact that you're changing roles as well it just kind of obfuscates it and makes it a little bit more difficult to see where w2 ends and your raise begins and 1099 starts right so and generally speaking you know the place where we start is we say 20 to 30 percent minimum yeah minimum is what you're gonna ask for and you know, it doesn't mean you can't ask for more, but you also got to be within reason. And then keep go in with a floor, just like a regular negotiation. That's why the math is important. So you'll know, I can't go below this number. It's not financially worth it for me. Exactly. Um, the very last thing that I wanted to talk about today is eventually, depending on your contracts, depending on how you get them written, eventually, if you're doing multiple contracts, you might be able to outsource the work that you're doing, right? You might be able to hire people. Mm-hmm. And okay, you've got all these contracts. You got one contract, you got a second contract, and you hired some people to do, you know, make flow charts or um, Do whatever. more menial tasks. Whatever it is, right? Um, or do video editing or whatever the task is. 
Now you're running a now you're running an agency, right? Now you have a business. I would forewarn people that it's highly dependent on your contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot of contracts where they they're explicitly you cannot outsource your work. Yes, a lot it's, of contracts. It's illegal. It's illegal to do that. You should not do that if it's in your contract. You are in that breach you can't. of your contract. Yes, you are breaking your contract. Generally speaking. If you can sign the contract as your business entity, and that's out of the scope of this conversation mm-hmm. right now, but just suffice it to say that if you decide to go contracting, you're probably going to be setting up a business entity, uh, an LLC at the very least. And if you can get the reason why is to separate your personal assets and your business assets and mm-hmm. protection and all that, you know, mm-hmm. LLCs are given a little bit um, more options for certain financial. Uh, instruments and materials and stuff like that mm-hmm. in the system. Generally speaking, if you can get a contract that hires your LLC to do the work, it usually covers the people and the subcontractors that you hire mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Because they're not hiring me, Ryan Maruyama, to do the work. They're hiring They're hiring... Ryan Maruyama LLC or whatever. What have you? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um Yeah, so your con your contracting could in theory become a business. Yes. Talk to a labor lawyer, definitely. Talk to your contracts personnel. Talk to the person that you're retaining to kind of help you with your contracts. But that's just a high level of the possibilities that are there. Um and now you're running a business, as you said. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, that was kind of it for today. Kind of uh, something that you have first-hand experience in that you've done a couple of times now. That I never set out to really be doing, too. Right, right. It's just uh, the contractor economy, people, is growing really rapidly. And the reason is because, uh, especially in the U.S., it's just become extremely financially risky to hire people as W-2 employees. The more expensive it gets to hire W-2 employees because of taxes, regulations, et cetera, et cetera, the more companies are going to start outsourcing their labor to contractors because they're just cheaper and they're low risk and you can cut them when you need. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with actually the definition of a contractor. Like, And once again, that's outside of the scope of this podcast. But suffice it to say that with the advent of technology, with things becoming more and more digital, it's much easier to fit the role or the definition of a contractor for a lot of employees. That's true. And employers rather. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point that you make. It's it's definitely a, it's a contractor economy right now. It's it's never been easier to be one than it is right, right now. Okay, folks, uh like I said, Ryan and I write a newsletter every week. It has degree-free news, companies that are hiring degree-free, requirements that are being rolled back, um, tides that are changing, and then resources that we've used in the past uh, that I use now for my work that Ryan uses for to, to do his work, and then also just uh, cool ideas for degree-free work and um, and jobs and then boot camps and stuff like that. So you don't want to miss that. Go to the website and it's degreefreenetwork.com and sign up because you want to get that email. Yeah, definitely. And it's not as long as you just said it there. It's really short email. Yeah, it's short and spicy, but y- you want to get it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you guys made it this far, as always, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Otherwise, we're kind of just talking into the ether sphere, which... 
that's not super helpful. No. But if you guys want to say hi, you want to get in touch, uh, contact at Degree Free Network is where... Uh, we live. Yeah, is where we're at. Drop us an email, contact at DegreeFreeNetwork.com. Um, like and subscribe to the podcast. You know, if this is helpful to you, um, definitely consider sharing it, please. You know, any honest reviews really help too. Just helps to get our ideas out there to everybody. Um, follow us on social media. I'm at Ryan K. Mariyama on the socials. She's at Hannah Mariyama. The podcast is at Degree Free Pod. But yeah, until next time, guys. Aloha.